Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 18 for December 15th, 2005. Amachi. Hamachi is a kind of sushi, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. I asked the developer, a guy named uh, Alex Pankratov, where he came up with the name Hamachi, and he explained that that he had been doing some work on an IPsec VPN tunneling technology prior to this, and that they were calling it Tuna, T-U-N-A, as tunneling architecture. And so when they started on this Hamachi project, I'm sorry, when they started on their second generation project, that's what this evolved into, they thought, well, what are we going to call this? And so, uh, what is it, Yellowfin, Yellowtail? Yellowtail Tuna. Yellowtail Tuna is Hamachi. (laughs) And so that's the name of this. Um, uh, What it is, you know, we've talked now extensively for many weeks about SSH tunnels, about the concept of tunneling, about SSL, about the traditional IPsec, uh, Microsoft's L2TP IPsec, the uh, the original PPTP point-to-point tunneling protocol, blah, 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 you know, VPN, endpoint routers, and all that. All of this really results or boils down to what do users actually use to solve these problems. We've talked about, you know, what it is that 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 the problem is that that VPN technologies solve. Hamachi, I am so excited about this, Leo. It's a it's a secure from the ground up, lightweight, free, peer-to-peer system that does NAT traversal, so it solves NAT traversal, firewall traversal, and essentially it allows people to build ad hoc local area networks. Um, It's interesting, when I first installed it, it assigned my machine an IP in the 5 dot range. I never heard of that. Well, there isn't any. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the uh, as it we stops, know... 10 is the lowest you can go, right? Well, as we know, the there are three uh, networks that people are familiar with if they've l- looked at the inside of their NAT routers. It, uh, typically, 192.168.something.something. That's kind of reserved by the well, numbers, folks, for, uh, intern- for private networks. Exactly. In fact, uh, there's an RFC. It's RFC 1918. Talks about these three networks. There's 192.168.star.star. There's Ten dot anything anything anything, and then another one is one seven two dot sixteen through one seven two dot thirty one. So those three subnets are set aside for use in private networks, and so you typically find them behind NAT routers that are routing those private addresses out onto the public internet space. The point being that that. Those are so-called non-routable subnet ranges or IP ranges because no routers on the Internet would know how to forward a packet. Well, this five-dot network is reserved by the IANA, the Internet Assigned Numbers Association. Assigned numbers and addresses. And addresses. Um, John Postel's uh, group, which I think has been subsumed by ICANN. Probably. Um, Anyway, so there are no five-dot IPs. Theoretically, there could be someday, but but the re- the reason Alex chose this five dot is that he knew he he needed to give IP addresses. 
two computers that were running Hamachi that didn't would that would not collide with either IPs out in the public space or any of these three subnets which they might be running behind NAT routers. So we needed sort of like a third class of IPs. And so IPs that have never been issued was where he went. And so, you know, what's uh is it sixteen million? I don't know, I can't do the math here on the fly, but it's it's, it's you know four bytes. It's so it's, it's uh, well three bytes. Three bytes. So it's twenty four bits. It might be I think it's sixteen million is the is the total number of of IPs that that are from from five dot zero dot zero dot zero to five dot two fifty five dot two fifty five dot two fifty five. Okay, so what's cool about this is well, there's so many things that are cool about this. When you install Hamachi on your system, oh, it's multi-platform right now. It's it's just emerging from beta. Um, it's available right now for Windows and Linux platforms. And as soon as it gets finished as soon as the 1.0 version is released for Windows and Linux shortly thereafter he will be releasing it for the, for the Mac is this the holy grail cuz you were looking for a free solution that allowed anybody to tunnel out and have secure networking no matter where they were in a hotel in an airport on a wifi is this that holy grail this is absolutely part of the holy grail <laughs> what's wrong with it well the 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 thing i was actually looking for initially was a way to to with no client software on your machine to connect to a VPN router that would get you into your network or out to the internet. But we now know that that's not possible. That's not going to happen. It doesn't exist. Um, actually, I should mention that several people have brought up the fact that there are some obscure routers. For example, the SMC Barricade. There are a couple versions that do support PPTP. <laughs> routing themselves so so that's certainly i mean there are some that you can connect to with windows but they're not these you know the major mainstream routers and again the problem there would be that you might find yourself blocked by the, the environment where you were you might find that your hotel was not allowing vpn or their router to not support vpn pass-through so you'd still have problems getting to your router at home hamachi doesn't have that problem no in fact well so it's multi-platform. When you install it on your machine, the Hamachi server issues a 5.IP that your machine statically and permanently and forever has. That's its IP in this 5.dot address space. It never changes. Now you can transport your setup to a different machine if, if you had some reason to. But the point is, that's an IP that you can write down, you can configure it into links, and, and do whatever you want to with it. You, you, and so you install this Hamachi client on whatever set of machines you want to. This would be at your home, probably, yes? Well, at your home, I've got it running in my colo location in my server space. So you install it on your, on your web server. Absolutely. I mean, it, well, and, I, and I'll explain why, because then what happens is you, you create ad hoc sub-networks of these machines. For example, I've got one called Gibson Research Corporation, and in that, I have joined all of my various Hamachi-equipped machines into that network. You give it a long password. I, I got a password from my passwords page on, at grc.com, you know, one of these 63-character nightmares, dropped it in, it hashes it, and that authorizes that machine to join a network that you've created. Now, the machines can see each other. This, so what this does is it creates a secure, encrypted 
peer-to-peer -peer tunnel f between any of the machines that are on the network. So, for example, many people have written saying, hey, I, I love using remote desktop, but I'm concerned about its security. What should I do? Well, they should be concerned about its security because remote desktop does not have strong authentication. So it is subject to man-in-the-middle attacks and it can be compromised. In fact, the current version of the Kane Enable Kane tool has the latest support for the current uh, RDP protocol which allows it, and I mean, it actually builds a file when you're running Kane of everything you do over your remote desktop session. So, so here, Hamachi solves the problem of wanting one computer to connect to and control another. This is within your LAN. Within, well, within the LAN that you create. Right. So you're able now to securely and safely use remote desktop through this Hamachi link with absolutely no concern that it can be eavesdropped upon. I've spent, I started talking to Alex on December 1st. Here we are on the 15th. I spent two weeks back and forth with him, asking him, I mean, bugging him to death, asking him, very detailed questions about, okay, what about this? Are you hashing this password? Is it stored on the machine? You know, everything. He has done this, ex I mean, perfectly correct. The the client builds a, a an asymmetric key pair, a, a so-called public key pair. It gives the public one to the server, so the server can be used as the key distribution mechanism. So you could dial into the server and say, what's the public key? Um Yes, and you're able to also see it in, in, in your client if you want. But the, the nice thing about the, public, the, the server having the public key is then other clients that you agree you want to have connect to you, they receive the key from the server. Basically, Hamachi is a zero-configuration VPN peer-to-peer -peer system. It does NAT traversal so that you're able, if two people behind NAT routers, it will connect them. His server does not forward any traffic. And in fact, it, it is not a relay. It actually establishes direct point-to-point -point connections between the machines. So this is how he avoids the router issue, the firewall issue. He has a third point, a middle point, that you both go make outgoing connections to, which and then he connects you. Yes. Oh. It's like a rendezvous uh, oh. or a liaison server. Yeah. So so he looks he basically figures out how your router is working, characterizes your router and then works out he tells then both clients over a TCP connection how to find each other. They find This is without opening any doing any port And that's the other cool thing is that if if you had a VPN router, if you had any server running on your system, you'd have to have static ports open in order for you to be able to connect to it from the outside. Not so with Hamachi. It makes outgoing connections to the server, maintains a static TCP connection. Then, when you want traffic to go between machines, it's able to negotiate that directly. Using a random IP uh, a port that it does use a port, though, doesn't it? Um, uh, well, it, it, it's, it, it's able to work through the local NAT router's port, so it works with, it, it works with whatever port the NAT router has assigned to outgoing traffic. Well, so so it solves that problem. It um, the 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 security is is complete. As I was saying about the the asymmetric key pair, your private key never leaves your client. So you don't even have to trust the Hamachi server. The Hamachi server cannot be part of an attack on you on on your system. It wasn't until I really understood this that I was willing to run these clients on my servers in my colo location. I mean, 
there is no way for for the Hamachi system to access my stuff, even if it wanted to. But it has the public key. It's got the public key, but it it doesn't have the private key for any of the clients. And and you create the authorization when you initially create a connection between these these endpoints. So um, it's it's extremely fast. The other cool thing is for people who are like uh, running around doing telecommuting. One option, of course, is to run an email client on your laptop. Then you've got the problem of synchronizing your email. Like if you're on the road and you download a bunch of stuff, then you've got it on your laptop. It's not back on your on your main system. So the the a cool solution for for turning this into a system to give you internet access which it doesn't natively do is instead if you're using a Windows-based system, use Remote Desktop, which is now secured by the Hamachi system, and it's made accessible. If you were using Remote Desktop without Hamachi, you'd have to have port 3389 wide open to the world. Everyone knows 3389 is Remote Desktop protocol, and, and so you're potentially vulnerable to, I mean, anyone knows you've got that open and, and, and soliciting a connection. If you use Hamachi to give you the same functionality of point-to-point direct point-to-point connection, it's encrypted and strongly authenticated, which remote desktop protocol won't do, you still have a point-to-point connection, so all you do is you bring up your desktop at home and use its web browser, use its email client, and use its connection to the internet. I've seen you do this, and it's pretty fast. Oh, I mean, well, it feels I mean it's it's fine. Well, yes, and of course everyone knows about VNC. VNC it's is the, is open yeah. source. It is also cross-platform. Right. That's the problem with remote desktop is it, is it's a Windows only. only technology. Although there are clients for other there are clients for other platforms. Ah, well, in in that case so I could use my Mac to surf to my Windows machine using Hamachi and then use my Windows machine on my Mac desktop. As, as if I were using a Windows machine, including surfing out. So let's step back and, and talk about the process of putting Hamachi on, what you need to do to install Hamachi. You need a, there's a client and there's a server, yes? No, it's, just, it's a single, single program. A single program. Um, the website is, and if you just put Hamachi into Google, you can get there. But H-A-M-A-C-H-I. It's, it's www.hamachi.cc. Uh, Alex is up in Vancouver, and so he's got a .cc on the end of his URL. Um, you'll go to his site, download his his client. Currently for Windows or Macintosh, I'm sorry, Windows or Linux, and then Mac is is, is coming soon. Um, installing couldn't be any easier. You you simply run the setup. You fall. You go through a little um, a wizard-based install to basically uh, you know tell it where you want to load it on on, on your hard drive. The it sees that it's being installed in a system that it hasn't installed before. There, there's a negotiation with the server where it assigns it a unique IP. Your client produces its own um, asymmetric key pair, which it then uses to perform strong authentication. You do that on a couple other systems. Now, one trick is he is assigning IP sequentially. When I installed it on my second machine, for example, one of mine was 5.11.66.114. That was the first one I installed. What's very cool is I can tell you the IP. It doesn't matter. You can't get to 5. Dot. Right. I mean, it doesn't exist on, on the Internet. Right. So, so, And what's really cool is my machine will always be 5.11.66.114. When I installed it on a second machine, it was like .120. I thought, oh, they're like so five people had installed mm-hmm. it 
between the time that I had. So I quickly installed it on three more <laughs> machines so that I could get IPs. Sequential numbers. Exactly, yeah. that I could get IPs that were sort of near each other. Now that we've made it famous, it may not be as easy to do. It's, you're you're <laughs> going to have to be quicker. But so the Hamachi server, his server is assigning the IP addresses and keeps track of those. It's doling them out. So each one is unique. And it's it's also, um, when when your client builds the asymmetric key pair, for, it's then used for authentication and encryption, the client gives its public key to the Hamachi server so that it's able to then distribute it to anybody else who you authorize to connect. So you, you install it on, in, in, a, in a few systems. And that's a, uh, you don't have to. You could have it only on one system, but it's nice to have it on a bunch of systems. I don't, who would you talk to? If you hold oh, on. well, you okay. You only need it on a laptop and a desktop. Oh, exactly. You install it all through your your uh, office and at your colo and everywhere. Yes. Why did you do that? Um, well, because I wanted to play with it. I, I wanted to get a, a, an but understanding. But you can also log on to any of those machines now from your remote client. Well, yes. Um, you you it, it you can ping them. You it, it supports Windows browsing directly. So so you can right click on uh, on any machine in in the list and browse the the directory on those drives. Do send me standard Windows file sharing, drag and drop. Um, I Do you have to set up file sharing in Windows? No, no, yeah, uh, because it's in that. it's it's inside Windows already, okay. so you don't have to do that uh, explicitly. So once you've got it installed on a few machines, then you 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 start creating one or more of your own networks where you define which machines get to participate. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you would you would create a network. I created Gibson Research Corporation. It wants a password, so I went to my passwords page. Came up with this nasty 63-character random ASCII thing and dropped it in. Well, of course, because Alex is a crypto guy, it digested the 63 characters with no trouble at all. Nobody will ever get that password. I mean, I won't if I ever lose it. Yeah, don't lose it. So I, so I, I put it in a text file. Yeah. I took that to a couple other machines, joined them to the Gibson Research Corporation network. You only have to authenticate once, though, right? Exactly. You remember that. Okay. Well, and in fact, one of the questions I asked him just before I... I, I, I came up here to Toronto to do this podcast with you was I said, wait a minute, what if I was at the Tech TV studios and I wanted to join a Tech TV machine temporarily right. to my tr- prized, super secret, I don't want to like risk anybody ever getting in their network, what do I do afterwards to like remove all trace? Well, again, they did this thing perfectly. The password that I use is never written to the hard drive. It's hashed into a, um, a a long token, and that's then used to validate this machine against my network. So... When I so then I would connect. I'd see all my machines there. I have now by by you know roaming around. I, oh, and since it's free, I don't even have to carry it with me. I go to any machine. You just download it. I just download install it, it. Install it. I would have to keep my wacky sixty-three key, uh, character key around. So that allows me to join a machine into my super secret private network. Do whatever I want to. When I unjoin it. It can never come back because the key is not stored locally. It's only used to authenticate against the server. So I, don't, I never need to worry again about someone coming, following in my tracks and reconnecting to my network so after I've gone. Just uninstalling Hamachi is sufficient to Or work. actually, uh, as, as people will see from the user interface, there's a join and a create network, and then there's a, a, a leave network. So if I just left my network... You can even leave Hamachi I there. I can leave Hamachi there. So we'll download. There's a single file we download, we install. 
We uh, we authenticate. We create a key. Actually, it's all done for you. You don't even see any it's all of that. Wizards all, doing it all. all of that is just done transparently. It's literally a zero configuration peer to peer system. It traverses firewalls and NATs without absolutely transparently, deeply encrypted. Yeah. So, for example, it's our solution for hotel travelers, for Wi Fi users. The the one gotcha is you've got to have a machine somewhere for you to connect to. So you'd need to leave your your home computer running with Hamachi on in order for you in a Wi-Fi hotspot or in a hotel to connect to it. But it is absolutely free. Now, they will have a premium version that will, for example, add some additional features. For example, it'll run as a service in the background, so you won't see it as an app on your desktop. What is an app right now? Yes. Um, The free one won't relay at all, but there are some really nasty NAT routers. If you had a, if you had a, a, a recalcitrant, non-peer-to-peer friendly NAT router on each end, then Hamachi would not be able to negotiate a tunnel directly. So you would have to use the premium version. Which would provide which, that third point that you yes, connect to. Yes, in order to, do, to, to right. use Hamachi as a relay. And that's really fair, it's too, fair, because you're using their bandwidth. You're using their traffic. Yeah, you're using yeah. their bandwidth, exactly. So normally you're not. Normally you only use it to authenticate, to handshake. Once the handshaking is done, you have a direct peer-to-peer peer connection and it's your fast it's as fast as it could be between those two endpoints and now uh, the only addition is okay so that gives me access to my my computer at home from the road and as you said if you want to surf the net or go out you would just run windows remote desktop and you in effect you'd be using your home computer kind of like a go to my pc solution or a, a citrix solution you'd be using your computer to do the surf but for free but for free because you're using right. your own system instead of somebody else's system is it is it tunnel it's a tunneling solution it is basically. it is a a virtual private network peer to peer secure tunneling system that I mean, I can't find a single fault in, in it. I mean, I'm I'm using it. I'm in love with this thing. And it's absolutely free from h a m a c h i dot c c. Uh, if people want to download it, um, and uh, we, we're not done with VPNs. No, we've got one more week. We're going to talk well, about. What more is there to say? You've come up with the holy grail, Steve. Well, there's there's one more solution we have to talk about because it's very popular, and that's the Open VPN system. Um, and that's next week. Okay. And we also have found a commercial provider, Hotspot VPN, that works very well yep. using OpenVPN. We're, 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 we're basically, so next week we're going to talk about, I mean, I hope everybody listening to this will go to www.hamachi.cc, play with it. It is, it is a super cool system. Well, and because I run a web server that runs Linux, I can install it on my Linux web server, and all of that stuff will be, in fact, my web hosting company won't block it because it looks like normal traffic, right? Well, that's the other, yes, that's that's exactly right. The other cool thing is that um, because it's running through a tunnel, no hotel can block it. And say that somebody working for a corporation had, you know, Gestapo firewall people who didn't let anything in or out, yet you wanted to access your network at home. You know, Hamachi would allow you, if you have the ability to install as Hamachi, long as, you install software, as long as right. you can install software on your corporate computer, this would allow you to literally, on your desk, have access to your home computer. Also, you can't run this off a USB key because it does have to modify Windows. You couldn't just run it as a standalone application off a USB key. I uh, don't know. I think it installs information in it the registry or maybe in the directory. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, the other thing is we've had some people on, for example, in prior months of, of Tech TV wanting uh, gamers who wanted to know how they could, how he could set up his Xbox to, to game with somebody else. And the only solution we had at the time was VPN endpoint routers, to use VPN endpoint this routers. for that. Hamachi is a perfect 
network for gamers. Okay, so 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 next week we're going to talk about OpenVPN in all of its various forms because there's because the reason I want to talk about it is there's so many ways it can be used. The the hotspot VPN being one of them, a, a, a commercial service, and there are, there are a number of others that are also completely free. It sounds like this is Hamachi is something that everybody would want to set up now just to just to establish a connection between you uh, on the road and your home system. If you were able to run remote desktop, you could then use it to do the kinds of things you would do at uh, your home system like surf the net and so forth. Exactly, and that gives you internet access. And that gives you your internet yes. access. Yes, and also access to all your files at home. You know, now when I log on, I use SSH to log on to my web server. I'm essentially doing the same thing. I'm setting up a tunnel. The only difference is, of course, I have to leave port 22 open so that I can log in, and I have to, uh, and I have to have, uh, and I only have command line access to this. Server. Well, the other problem is SSH is a TCP protocol. Uh-huh. Tunneling TCP through TCP is problematical because TCP is itself an error correction guaranteed packet delivery protocol. When you tunnel. Uh, one of those protocols within another of those protocols, they're not talking to each other because they're sort of separate uh, sheaths that are carrying your data. You can get very bad performance on t- when you tunnel TCP in TCP. This is one of the things that's given VPNs a bad name. The they other seem th- slow because they're trying to do that. Well, yeah. In well, what's fact, the solution to that? The computers are fighting. The solution is to use UDP as the transport protocol. There you're sending packets only when you need to. So the in, the internal TCP protocol get, gets encapsulated in UDP, and that's what Hamachi uses, and also because UDP trans, uh, translates through NAT routers and, and, and traverses NAT routers far more easily. So, it's it, in fact, when I saw you, you gave me a little demonstration. Uh, you were sitting here on the set in Toronto, and you were logged onto your computer in Irvine, California. Looking at my desktop. And I have to say, it looked every bit as fast as if you were actually there. Now, that's partly because Windows Remote Desktop is efficient, but also because that UDP transport is not slowing you down. It's the right way to do a VPN. Now, the one other glitch that VPNs, the thing that, that hurts VPNs, is when you encapsulate packets, you make them bigger. And so what can happen is your packets can be fragmented because they won't traverse the Internet because they end up being too big when they're wrapped in the packet. Hamachi fixes that and knows how to, how to, how to change the stack in your machine so that the TCP packets it generates are already shrunk so that when it's encapsulated, it still fits in within what's called the MSS, the maximum segment size, so that it won't fragment the packets. So you get... I mean, really good performance. In fact, I have, using a remote desktop before, I have forgotten sometimes that I'm not on my computer. I mean, it's it's just not a painful experience. For Windows and Linux users, this is just a remarkable solution. Yeah. I mean, it, it gives you complete remote access to your home system. And, and because you put all of your computers on this thing, you've got a menu of all the computers at home that you can access. In fact, not only does it give you such good access, you were able to shut down one of those computers by accident. I knew. Yes. <laughs> we can't get to I, it I right meant, now. I, I was reconfiguring it, and I meant to remotely choose reboot, and I chose shutdown, and it powered off in, in Southern California. It's like, oh! And there's, and there's no way to turn it back on from here. Nope. So that computer is now inaccessible. So one little word of warning. It's so much like the real thing, you could actually 
make a mistake. You and need shut to it be down. careful. Yeah, you don't have the power button next to you for the computer that you're talking to. It's a really. It sounds very. It sounds like a, it is the holy grail. Very I am, close. Anyway. I, I, w- I had my fingers crossed while I was vetting the security architecture, thinking, oh, this. I mean, oh, and the UI is polished. I mean, it look. It's a professionally assembled, beautiful piece of work. I mean, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. He's giving it away for free, but but the good news is, and I say this is good news. He has a business model where he can make money on, it, and that means he will keep developing it. And there's a chance. Well, that and what's interesting too is real he, he has said that he's he will sell the server side also. Oh. It, it it's hosted on Linux, wow. so so that he's not just going to be the the sole source of the Hamachi protocol. If I'm if I'm a company and I want to set up for you know uh, have a large number of uh, telecommuting workers, I create a Hamachi server at our home base. And I control it all. I don't have to worry. I know the secure. It's secure because I'm in charge of it. Boy, that's a great idea. Yeah, I just and he's Good got business. he's got online forums where people can ask questions. I'll be surprised if anybody has a question. I mean, it is it's so simple to use. The graphics are beautiful. I got a question. You can see the status of the different machines. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. When is the Mac client coming out? Um, what he said is he it, it's at very late beta stage oh. now. I've never had a problem with it. Um, it yeah, it, so it's like it's almost there for Windows and for Linux, and as soon as that happens, he's going to do the Mac. So he's absolutely committed to a Mac-based platform. For for Mac to work, you'd need something like Windows Remote Desktop. There is Apple Remote Desktop, but it's fairly expensive. Or to, so. to hook your Macs together. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely, you could do it that way. That's great. H-A-M-A-C-H-I dot C-C, and of course the show notes... And a 16-kilobit version of this show, as well as transcripts, are all available at grc.com slash securitynow.htm. There's one more issue I have to cover because it comes up so many times. I talked a couple episodes ago about the idea of, well, about the problem people are having when they have followed our advice and beefed their Wi-Fi, their wireless technology in their home up to WPA, or in some cases just added full, you know, full, the strongest web encryption that they could if they don't have web-compatible hardware. Other stuff that they had, like their TiVos, for example, or PDAs don't that work. don't support, exactly, that don't support the, the WPA are in trouble. I mentioned, oh, well, there's nothing to keep you from running two two wireless networks at home. One secure and one relatively insecure. Yes. And when I said that, you asked me right then on the spot, what would the architecture be? How, where would, which router would go where? Well, I punted the question because... You fooled me. I thought you answered it. (laughs) um, No. uh, I had to think about it extensively. Because of something known as ARP poisoning, it's different to answer the question, if we assume everybody is passive, then if we assume you could have an active attacker who could reorganize your networks by sending ARP replies. Very early in 2006, we're going to do a, do a, a podcast about ARP poisoning and what that's all about and why it's a, a, it's a concern. What this means, though, for now is, the and I've, I've gotten pencil and paper and really thought this through, if you put the insecure network inside and the secure network outside. The problem is it, because as we know, NAT routers are like one-way valves. The insecure network would have upstream access to your stuff, to, to your to your secure resources, which is a, is a bad thing. If we reverse it, if we put the insecure one upstream and the secured one downstream, sort of inside, 
you still have a problem because now the insecure network is on your perimeter and it could potentially see the traffic coming from your secure network. And it could be art poison. Uh, well, exactly. Right. Passively, the, the, the response from passive listening is different. But we, in this day and age, we need to assume you know, any possible attack, certainly that we know about. So the answer is anyone who wants to run two wireless networks, they the have three to... Three routers. They, yes, <laughs> they do. You have to have a Y architecture. Right. You have your, your, your main router on the border that is not... It's, just, it's a wired router. You then plug each of your wireless into it. So you'd essentially, you'd have three subnets. You'd Otherwise have your traffic's passing through the insecure network. This yes. You, you kind of make it a tributary. This insecure network is somewhere off by itself. And ARP packets never traverse a router. Ah. ARP packets, ARP is a non-routable protocol. It's only used, after all, for or associating right. MAC addresses and IPs within a LAN. So basically, you'd have three LANs. You'd have the outside LAN that feeds the two inside LANs. So you'd have 192.168.0 something, on one of them, 192.168.1.something and 192.168.2.something. And so that's the architecture. Are you, you going to draw this up and put it on the website? Yes, we're going to do a page. I've, in fact, uh, the, the page I showed you earlier that we'll, we'll be yeah, talking about the in the show, poisoning. yeah, that was a page that grew out of my need to lay some foundation for this. All right, grc.com slash securitynow.htm. We thank the good folks at uh, AOL Radio for providing the podcast channel, which this show and all the other Twitch shows appear on, aolmusic.com. And, of course, they also donate bandwidth, which saves us a packet of money. <laughs> I don't makes even it possible. I don't even, it makes it possible. Yeah. That's, that's the truth of it. We'll see you next week on Security Now. We're going to talk about OpenVPN and a good commercial solution that is very easy to implement. In fact, I've been using it, and I've been very happy I am with too. it here at the Yes, I, w- I wanted yeah. to give it a couple of weeks of, of play before we got everyone revved up for it. But meanwhile, enjoy your sushi treat from Steve Gibson. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh. Now, uh, next week uh, is uh, Christmas week, so um, we might, I guess we'll just do the podcast. Yeah, it works for me on Thursday. Okay, I might, might have to do it a little earlier because I have to go uh, visit I'm family. around. We'll, well, I'll tell you what, we'll deliver it on Thursday by hook or by crook. Absolutely. And then uh, and we'll be back the week after Christmas because, well, we have no life. Thank you. <laughs> on behalf of Steve Gibson, I'm Leo Laporte. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Stay secure. We'll see you next time. And have some hamachi. Have some hamachi on security now. Thank you.